Father God, thank you uh, that you are the one that we have just sung about. Uh, Thank you that you are uh, good, you are kind, you are the one who leads us, who guides us, uh, who gives us his spirit, who wants good for us, who does good works in our lives and desires to transform us into people that are wholeheartedly following you. And uh, I know most of us have a ways to go there. And so uh, we're just grateful for your grace and your presence in our lives as you lead and grow us. Thank you uh, for the opportunity this morning to sing, to hear from your word, and just to be with you and to be together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be continuing our series on the Holy Spirit, God within us. And what I want to look at this morning uh, is a couple components of the idea of being led by the Spirit of God, as Paul uses the phrase in Romans 8. Um, I think we've all, at one point or another, had an experience where maybe you're at a party or you're just in a large crowd or maybe you're out in public somewhere. And out of your field of vision, you hear a voice and instantly you think, oh my gosh, I would recognize that voice anywhere. That's Bob or whoever, Sally. Um, Right, or maybe you've been in a conversation with a friend, uh, and they say something. You go, "Oh my gosh, that is such a Bob thing to say!" Right? So we we know the voices of our friends and loved ones because we've spent time around them, and we've we've spent so much time around them that it's almost impossible for us to mistake their voice for somebody else's voice. We're so familiar with it, right? Well, what if we could have a similar experience with the voice of the Spirit? In our lives. Uh, I think that's actually possible, and this morning I want to look at a couple components uh, of that. I want to look at what it looks like to uh, just learn to recognize the voice of the Spirit in our lives, but also I want to look at what it looks like to discern uh, God's will, and those are both things that that go together. So, uh, real quick, this won't be an exhaustive treatment of all these things. Uh, as with a lot of things in the series, there's probably more than we could ever say in one message. But I hope this gives us a good starting point for growing in these things uh, and being able to relate more to the Spirit in our lives. So uh, first, I want to consider the idea of uh, recognizing God's voice in our lives. Uh, in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day, and he offers to them an allegory or a word picture of what true spiritual leadership looks like. And this is what he says. He says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. And then it tells us, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. All right, so uh, maybe not so much in our day, but shepherding and sheep pens were just normal stuff of life during Jesus' time. Uh, The picture that he's using here is of what they would call a communal uh, sheep pen where more than one family's sheep were kept in it, Uh, usually a large walled-in structure, uh, kind of low-walled. There's one gate, so there's only one way in and out of the sheep pen, and there was a gatekeeper who sat at the gate, and he would know who the shepherds were, and he would let them in and out. Now, 
later in verse 14 uh, of that chapter, Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd. And in doing so, uh, he's also making the statement that the religious leaders of his day are not good shepherds of the people. And that's why people are turning to follow Jesus instead of following them. But the interesting piece uh, for our conversation in the the word picture that Jesus gives here is the relationship between the shepherd uh, and the sheep. Jesus says the, the shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name, that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they follow him when he leads them out. Uh, he says that the sheep uh, follow the shepherd because they recognize his voice. And he even says that they won't follow a stranger because they don't know his voice. In fact, they'll run away from him. So here's where it kind of gets into our situation. If Jesus is the good shepherd uh, of the people, then we, his followers, actually have the possibility of learning to recognize his voice and following him the way that the sheep in the word picture did. So <clears throat> if that's the case, then it raises the question, how do we do that? How do we discern, uh, how do we get to know and recognize the voice of the Spirit in our lives when we hear it? There's a number of ways. Uh, the one I'm going to focus on this morning, and I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, has to do with spending time in the scriptures. Uh, the way we get to know the voices of the people that we love and care about is because we spend a lot of time around them. And so if we want to get to know what the voice of the Spirit, what the voice of God sounds like, it makes sense that we would spend time with him in the scriptures. Uh, and there's at least three reasons why I think that's maybe the best way for us to learn how to do this. The first uh, is something that we actually sang about earlier we learn what God is like in his character when we spend time in his scriptures. The things that God wants us to do or the directions he wants to lead us in are always going to be consistent with who he is in his character. Uh, let's consider real quick First uh, John chapter 4. Uh, John writes this to his audience. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So John's reasoning here is that the command to love one another flows from the fact that that that's what God is like. God is love and love comes from him. And so God's character is what motivates the command. Uh, it's the same reason that Jesus can tell us that we're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us because that's what God is like. That's what Jesus would do. He is a person who loves. To take a different example, uh, we can look at Exodus chapter 34. This is the uh, incident where Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God and receive the Ten Commandments. And in verses 6 and 7, we read this. It says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, is compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Now, the passage does go on to tell us that God is just, and he will bring justice on those who refuse to turn from evil. But again, the important bit for us in the passage here is the description of God's character. 
This passage and eight other times in the Old Testament, we're told that God is slow to anger. Now, I don't know how many conversations I've had over the years where someone has told me that they feel like God is angry with them, uh, including myself. I've had that experience. But it seems to me that this passage and the others that I just mentioned challenge that idea. So there's a good chance that if we're trying to listen and hear from God and the voice that we hear uh, is angry, then maybe we're not hearing the voice of God in that situation. Because again, that doesn't line up with what his character is like. That's not who he is. All right, so there's a couple ideas of how uh, getting to know God's character is going to be important in us discerning what his voice is like. Another thing that the scriptures do for us uh, as we try and discern God's voice is they help us to learn the kinds of things that God says. Uh, Earlier, I gave the example of you hearing a friend say something, you think, oh, that's so... Bob-ish of them to say. Uh, This is what we're looking at here. So one of the best places to do this uh, is in the Gospels. Jesus told his followers in John 14 that if anyone has seen him, then they've seen God the Father, okay? So the Gospels are where we see Jesus do his speaking, and so that's a great place for us to learn what kinds of things he says. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, is chock full of the kinds of things that Jesus says, Uh, and I'll just give you a couple of them. Some of them are really wonderful and encouraging, like chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those are wonderful things for us to hear. I think most of us at some point or another need to hear both of those things. And there's many other things like that. Jesus also says some things that can be a little on the challenging side, uh, like chapter 6, verse 24. He, he says this, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, so that's a little bit more challenging statement, right? But that's something that Jesus would say. Uh, And that allows me to make another side point here. It's worth noting that sometimes the things that Jesus asks us to do are going to be difficult or uncomfortable or challenging. Uh, And so that being the case, if the voice that you're hearing when you try and listen for the Spirit is always always promising you uh, blessing and prosperity, then there's a chance that sometimes that's not the voice of the Spirit because sometimes Jesus will challenge us. Now, over time, I think it's helpful for us uh, because we'll learn how to discern these things. And as we spend time in the scriptures, hearing the kinds of things that Jesus said, then when we're trying to listen to the Spirit, we'll be able to recognize when something sounds Jesus-y to us, right? Uh, Just like something would sound Bob-ish when your friend would say it. I hope you all have a friend named Bob. Um, All right, lastly, uh, being in the scriptures helps us become familiar with the tone of the Spirit's voice, right? So everybody who speaks, there's a tone to their voice, uh, and I think that's true as well with the Spirit. Uh, In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus tells his followers this. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So Jesus describes himself in this passage as, passage as gentle and humble in heart. So when you're listening for the voice of God, if that's the tone that you get, then there's a good chance that that's the spirit. Uh, if it's not, then there's a good chance that it's not. Uh, you also notice at the beginning of the passage that it begins with an invitation. Jesus says, come to me. Uh, most of the time, in my experience and as I look at the scriptures, Jesus' voice sounds like an invitation to relationship with him. <clears throat> if that's not the case, uh, then there could be some other voice that we've found ourselves listening to. Uh, for example, the devil is a different story. Uh, one of the names that's used to describe him in the book of Revelation is the accuser. And John tells us that in that specific scene that he's describing, that the devil accuses the followers of Jesus before God night and day. Uh, I think that's his way of saying, this is just how he operates. He's always going to have an accusing voice. This is what he sounds like. So, if the voice that you're hearing sounds gentle and humble, there's a good chance that that's the voice of the Spirit leading you. If it sounds harsh and accusing, there's a really good chance that it's not. All right, those are just a couple ideas, but I, I think you get the idea of trying to discern tone here. And again, this all goes back to spending time in the Scriptures. Uh, before I move on to our second component of being led by the Spirit, uh, I do want to offer a couple points of perspective. And the first, and this is probably going to sound like a broken record with me again, but learning to recognize God's voice in your life is something that takes time. All right, this doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but I do believe that as we spend time in the Scriptures and we learn to listen, we will be able to distinguish His voice from the other voices in our lives, because we all have all sorts of voices that we're hearing, right? We have our own voice. We have maybe the voice of our parents that's still stuck in our heads. We have the voice of maybe teachers or coaches or bullies or whoever. Uh, and sometimes there's even the voice of the evil one that's trying to give us direction. We want to be able to distinguish those voices from the voice of the Spirit so that he can lead us. Uh, the second thing I want to uh, offer in terms of perspective is I want to talk about the reason why we would learn to listen for the voice of God. Uh, I think it's not just so that we can have some sort of uh, spiritual experience that other people don't. Uh, it's also not so that we can play the God told me card on people so we can get our way in a situation. But it's because God wants us to relate to him as a person. That's why we listen for him. It's a relationship. He's a person. He wants to be in relationship with us, and so we have the opportunity to be in relationship with him. Uh, and in fact, viewing him inaccurately or having the wrong motives for wanting to listen to God, I think, can actually hinder our ability to discern his voice. So, all right, that's a brief look <laughs> at learning to recognize the voice of God in our lives. Uh, I want to jump to the second uh, component of being led by the Spirit this morning, which is discerning his God's, God's will. And obviously that's related to recognizing the voice of the Spirit in our lives. They go together. Uh, I think all of us at some point in our lives have wanted to know what God's will for us is in a certain situation. Uh, maybe that's something more on the everyday side of things, like how to get along with a difficult coworker, uh, Or maybe it's one of those more big life decision kind of things, like what career should I pursue? Or who should I marry? Well, I think whatever type of situation you find yourself in wanting to discern God's will, I think there's some principles in the scripture that help us learn to discern those things. Uh, and that's what I want to look at here 
in our next section of the time. The first principle, uh, well, actually, real quick, before I jump into that, I do want to say this, um, because it's important. What I'm going to offer you guys here in these principles, you need to know that it's not a formula, okay? Uh, In fact, I don't think there is such thing as a formula for determining God's will in our lives. Uh, I think this, like listening for God's voice, is a relational thing that we interact with God with. Uh, If it was a formula, then what that would mean is that if we just did the right things in the right place at the right time and the right number of them often enough, then we would basically be able to force God's hand and he would have to give us an answer, right? It's kind of like treating God like a cosmic candy machine or a a gumball machine, right? We put our quarter of uh, doing the right things in and we turn the crank and God's obligated to give us an answer. And I don't think that's how relationship with God works. I don't think he's someone that we can control just by the things that we do. Uh, It also feels like a lot of pressure, right? If we have to do X, Y, and Z the right number of times in the right place at the right time in order to get an answer from God, then, man, if we just do one thing wrong, then we're we're hosed, right? We either get no answer at all or we get an answer that doesn't lead us anywhere good. Uh, That's why this being a relational thing, I think, is really important because it frees us up to listen to God as best we can and discern as best we can and then move forward. And as time goes on, we can actually learn and grow in our ability to discern what his will for our life is. And we don't have to just get it right the first time. And that sounds a lot more Jesus-y to me. All right, so there's my disclaimer. That said, uh, first principle for trying to discern God's will in our life is to follow or obey God in the things that we already know are his will from the scriptures. Uh, Now, there are more commands or instructions in the New Testament that we could ever have time to cover this morning. And so I don't think looking at all those things is necessarily helpful I think what's uh, important here is the attitude, right? Because the goal is not to know all the commands and be able to do them all right so that we can force God to tell us what he wants wants to say to us. Uh, This is a relational thing. Um, And so that's why this is, it's a heart issue. It's an attitude thing. So if we're not willing to follow God in the things that he has made clear to us or his will, then realistically, what are the odds that we're going to actually follow him in the thing that we're seeking his guidance on, right? Uh, It's an attitude of the heart. Uh, Jesus, thankfully, uh, because sometimes God does ask us to do things that are hard, Jesus provides a great example to us of what it looks like to be willing to follow God, even when he asks you to do something hard and we read about that uh, in Matthew chapter 26. On the night before Jesus is going to be executed, which is kind of intense, uh, Jesus prayed to the Father, and this is what he said. He said, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, the cup uh, he's referring to here, it's a word picture. It refers to the suffering and death and execution that was coming before, that he knew was coming for him. Uh, so being fully human and fully God, of course, like he didn't want to suffer and die a, a gruesome death, but because he knew who God was and because he knew that what his death and suffering would accomplish for us, which was our salvation and the opportunity for us to relate to God, he was willing 
to follow God the Father in a situation, even when he was asked to do something really hard. Now, most of the things that are hard that God's going to ask us to do are going to be nowhere near as intense as that, right? But I think the attitude of being willing to follow God, even when he asks us to do something hard, is something that we can still learn ourselves. Uh, and it's wonderful because however much of God's revealed word will from the scriptures we know, we can follow that as best as we know, and we can have the same attitude that Jesus had, even though we don't have an exhaustive uh, knowledge of God's will from the scriptures. So that's the first point, uh, <clears throat> the first principle. The second principle that I want to look at uh, is considering our design, uh, how God made us. So passages like Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 5 tell us that God designed each of us with specific gifts and talents and abilities, and that that was intentional. And so it makes all sorts of sense that if God is going to lead us somewhere, he's probably going to lead us in a direction that would, as much as it can, make use of those gifts and talents that he's given us. And it's very likely, generally, that he won't lead us in directions that ignore those or only ask us to operate out of our weaknesses. So if we have a couple opportunities uh, that one lets us work out of our weaknesses or our strengths and the other really doesn't, then there's a good chance that that first one that allows us to work out of our gifts and talents is probably where God is leading us. Uh, another principle that I think is worth uh, considering in any situation is thinking about the things that God values. Uh, things like goodness and honesty and justice and the well-being of others and generosity and sacrifice, just to name a few. Uh, if we have a couple of different opportunities and one of them uh, allows us to live out more of those values than the other does, then that's worth paying attention to because that might be a better option for us. Similarly, I think we need to pay attention to motives that reflect values that are different from those of God. Uh, things like greed and power and control and self-promotion, just to name a few. Opportunities that primarily uh, reinforce values like that are often not directions that God is going to lead us in. So thinking about the things that he values is an important part of the, the process. And then lastly, uh, I think the last principle for us to consider is inviting the counsel of other wise Jesus followers into the situation. Uh, a good example of this from the scriptures is something I mentioned a few weeks ago in my last sermon. So during the formation of the early church, uh, the apostles, as they were taking the message of Jesus to other lands, ran into this question of how Jewish do you have to be in order to be a legitimate Christian? And Paul and his associates, clearly people who walked with God and were full of wisdom, probably could have come up with an answer to that on their own, but instead they decided to travel to Jerusalem and meet with the other apostles and the elders of the church who were older and wiser and had been with Jesus when he was here uh, on the earth and asked them about this question. And it's clear from uh, the passage in Acts 15 that the Spirit leads them all together to come to an answer to the, the situation. And so it was the guidance, uh, the wisdom of these other mature believers in the situation that helped them come to a solution. All right, so as we seek uh, Spirit's leading and try to discern his will, uh, I think we need to consider all of these factors. And even then, uh, at times, 
the, the direction might not be completely clear. Sometimes God will give us multiple good opportunities and he'll let us choose one, just knowing that he's going to be with us whichever direction that we go and he will continue to lead us if there's a course change that needs to be made. Um, when I was trying to decide almost 13 years ago, gosh, that sounds like a long time. Uh, when I was trying to decide if I was going to accept the invitation to come to New Covenant to work here, uh, I had to th- work through all of these things. So first, uh, I had to check my attitude. Uh, to be honest, I'd never had a church job. And so I was a little nervous about how different that might be from college student ministry or teaching in a seminary setting. Um, but I knew that God was calling me to something different. And I knew that he wanted me to work with people that were a different uh, stage of life than I had been for such a long time. And so I wanted to be in a place where I had the attitude of being willing to follow him to whatever place he would lead me to do those kinds of things. I also had to consider the things that God values. And when I looked at the opportunity at New Cove, that was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, it was very clear to me that, that the things that New Cove values are the things that God values. And so that, that was an easy part. Um, I had to consider how God had designed me. Uh, at one point in the process, this took a couple of months for me to decide. Uh, at one point, I spent a half day alone with God. And during that time, one of the things that I did was I went through a bunch of journals um, and letters that people had written, uh, emails over the year that talked about how God had used me in the lives of others over the course of the years. And that helped me to think about would I have the opportunity to, to influence people in a similar way or be used in their lives in the similar ways here at New Cove. Uh, and then lastly, I invited two really good friends of mine who were uh, wonderful and still are uh, followers of Jesus who are a little bit older than me, very wise, uh, just have some more years on following Jesus than I do, to look at the situation and tell me what they thought. And it wasn't until I thought about all of these things together that really a sense of God's leading came. It wasn't just one that sort of flipped the switch for me and said, oh yeah, you should do this. It was all of them together. And once I considered all those, it started to become really clear, yes, this is the direction God wants me to go in. And so I said yes to coming to Nebraska and working at New Cove, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, he was very kind to lead me in that direction. So <clears throat> there's probably a ton more uh, that I could say this morning about both learning to recognize God's voice and discerning his will for our lives. But I hope that the little bits that I've given you this morning at least give us a starting point uh, maybe a framework to try and think through uh, the situation we find ourselves in and, and decide what is it that we're hearing from God. Uh, I don't always do this, but the invitation's always out there. Uh, if any of you would like to talk more about either of these things, uh, I would love to grab coffee with you or lunch sometime uh, and just listen to what you're thinking or try and answer questions. I don't have all the answers. Uh, Or I'd love to hear an issue that you're working through right now. And maybe we can take some of these things that we've talked about this morning and look at them and just sort of discern where might God be leading you. Uh, So if anybody wants to, I love coffee. I like food. I would love to hang out with you. Um, For everyone, uh, I do want to actually point us to a couple Bible reading plans. Uh, We do this every so often. Uh, there are two that you can find in the Bible app, or these are at YouVersion online. Uh, one is a seven-day 
uh, reading plan that has to do with some of these ideas of listening to God's voice. Uh, the other one's a bit longer and more involved. It's a 24-day reading plan. Uh, it's, it's authored by Dallas Willard, which if you know who he is, then you know it takes him longer to say things than other people. But he always says things in a really, really good way. Um, so I invite you to consider both of those, because I think there's a lot just to, to ingest when it comes to these topics. So let me pray for us, and then the worship team's going to lead us in uh, some more singing. God, thank you, uh, first, that you just you are who you are. Thanks that you are good and loving and kind. Thanks that you actually desire to relate to us, uh, not just occasionally, but often. And you want to uh, you want to speak to us about the things that are going on in our lives through your word, but also through your spirit that you've given us. And God, I pray uh, for each of us that you would help us to grow in our ability to recognize your voice uh, when we hear it. And God, I pray uh, for each of us as we consider the things, uh, the questions we have in life about where you might want to lead us in a given situation. God, would you help us to uh, trust your goodness and kindness to lead us? And would you also help us to uh, consider some of the things that we've talked about this morning uh, to help us discern the directions that you might be leading us in? God, thank you that we can trust you because we know that you're good and you prove that at the cross when you gave Jesus on our behalf and then when you rose him from the dead that we might know you and walk with you. Thanks that you want to lead us and guide us and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.